Well, hello, awesomes. This is an exclusive episode just for our Sort of Awesome patrons. We on the Sort of Awesome team are so thankful for your continued support of Sort of Awesome as it continues to grow. And today we are sharing with you another episode in our Taboo series, where the Sort of Awesome team gets together and talks about some of the topics that we wouldn't normally talk about on the regular show. Today, I have Rebecca here with me, and she and I are going to talk a little bit about something that we have never really gotten into on the main Sort of Awesome show, and that is her spiritual faith and background. Now, as you know, we sometimes talk about spiritual and religious topics on Sort of Awesome, but today we're going to get really specific, and we're going to talk to Rebecca about her upbringing and current practice of the Mennonite branch of Christianity. So hi, Rebecca. Are you ready for all this? Hello, Megan. Hi, Awesomes. I have to say I'm a little bit nervous because I kind of feel like I have the potential to be the only Mennonite that people are ever going to hear from. And I don't want to mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a ton of pressure when you think about it that way. Well, yeah, I don't want to be like the end all be all authority on what exactly it is to be Mennonite. So I'm a little nervous, but I am here and excited to share, you know, my own personal experience and my own personal understanding of what the Mennonite church is all about. And, you know, do your research if something doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't think anybody out there would ever want to be pegged as the central authority on anything in their life. So I don't think anybody is going to think of you that way. But I do appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk through all of this, because I know many of us have questions about all of this. In fact, let's just dive right in and start at the beginning. For anybody who's not familiar completely with what we're talking about when we say Mennonite, why don't you start at the top? Like, what does it mean to be Mennonite? Okay, so Mennonite is a denomination of the Christian faith, which means it believes the basics of the Christian faith, but then it also has its own unique characteristics and values. You know, there's several denominations that people are probably familiar with, brethren, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Mennonite is in that category too. Okay. So the way that the Mennonites first came about is long ago over in Europe, it started out of what they call the Anabaptist movement. Mm -hmm. And that was the belief that being a Christian and following Christ should be an adult decision. And at that time, it was very, very common to do infant baptism. But there was this group of people that rose up and said, you know what, we really want to honor this decision as an actual decision, a conscious decision. And we're going to start rebaptizing as adults. And then they moved away from baptizing infants altogether and said, this is a personal choice that you need to make or that you can choose to make when you're of the age and maturity to understand the commitment that you're making. So moving forward today, we still have several of these key values and beliefs, which includes the believer baptism, which is what we call it, that As a believer, you're making that conscious choice. Um, Other characteristics of Mennonites would be a high value placed on missions and justice. So that would include outreach. And we have several um, we have several organizations that specialize in different types of missions globally 
Domestically, there's Mennonite Central Committee, which my husband actually volunteered with. He went and served for nearly a year in Jamaica um, doing justice work there. Mennonite Disaster Services is very common that they'll go in into areas that have been hit hard with like environmental disasters and things like that. Here in the U.S. with like Katrina and all of that, Mennonite Disaster Services was all over that type of stuff. Mennonites also really value financial responsibility uh-huh. and being environmentally conscious. Mm-hmm. It's that whole idea of being a good steward with what God has given you, that being the earth, that being the financial blessings that you have. And then finally, and perhaps most notably, Mennonites t- um, are pacifists, which means that they practice nonviolence. And so those are the main things that I would say characterize the Mennonite church. Now, of course, you might find some of these in other denominations as well, but that's how I would describe Mennonites. This is so fascinating to me. We did not pre-discuss any of this. So everything that you're saying, I had not heard before. This is so interesting because as I've talked about a couple of times on the show, and and many of my close friends know, I grew up Southern Baptist, which also Mm -hmm. grew out of the Anabaptist movement, probably somewhere along the way, just took a different direction under different leadership, but also very, very notably within the Baptist denomination is that belief in believer's baptism, the idea that it is a choice. I don't know that they... And maybe this is one of the differences. Even a child as young as five, six, seven, however old, if the parents and pastor believe they're old enough to understand the decision they're making can be baptized. Um, so it's not necessarily on into adulthood, but there's it's definitely the idea that baptism as a means of grace is something that you choose once you have a conscious understanding of what that decision entails. So, Right. And I would say that the same would apply within the Mennonite church also. Every congregation probably handles things a little bit differently. But I myself, I was baptized like in junior high. Um, I think it was about fifth grade. And um, at the church that I currently go to, which is not a Mennonite church, uh, but we have a, te- I think a, they suggest that you be about 10 years old okay. before you make that commitment. Um and yeah, so the church that I attend now is not a Mennonite church, but it it previously was, and it has since stepped away from the Mennonite church for various reasons, but they still hold those same Anabaptist core beliefs. So interesting. Well, since you have grown up Mennonite and went to a Mennonite university and um, have been kind of in this community for a long time within this denomination... I have to think that somewhere along the way, you've bumped up against some maybe mistaken beliefs or misconceptions. You've maybe heard some myths about Mennonites, or maybe you've just, you know, just kind of there've been misunderstandings about what it is to be Mennonite. In fact, I know that for a long time in my own life, I would get um, the Mennonite belief system in Amish Uh, belief system a little bit confused. I wasn't sure exactly what the differences were. So let's kind of dive into that. I know you have bumped up against some misunderstandings. I would love to hear what those are and what the actual reality is for people who are Mennonite. 
Well, you really hit the nail on the head there because that is the big misconception that if I tell somebody, well, I grew up Mennonite or I consider myself Mennonite, they automatically picture me as Amish. And if you have followed me on Instagram (laughs) or any other social media platform, you should be able to tell that I don't really look Amish. (laughs) Right. That's very true. (laughs) The fact that I am a podcaster and blogger and social media connoisseur, um, I think would say that I am not Amish. Um, But that really is the big misconception. So trying to explain the difference between Mennonites and Amish, again, it makes me a little bit nervous. But let's, let's go back here and look. So traditionally, Mennonites stood out because of their desire to live simply. And long ago, that used to translate into avoiding much of the world's advancements in technology, such as modern dress and electricity and cars. And that is why today people often associate Mennonites with Amish who still practice those extremes of simple living. Okay. Now, Way back, a group of Mennonites were frustrated with how the church was becoming a little more relaxed in some of these practices, and they chose to break away from the Mennonite church, and that group called themselves Amish. So at one point, they were together, and then like you said, you and your Anabaptist church that you go to, <laughs> somewhere along the, along the way, there was some conflicts and different leadership, and the Amish church broke away from the Mennonites. So since then, Amish and Mennonites have been commonly confused. Okay. And there are still many Mennonite congregations that practice what you might call extreme simple living. But the fascinating thing is that there is an incredible difference from the most conservative Mennonite congregation to the most mainstream. Mm -hmm. And there might not be another denomination out there with such a wide range. You know, I grew up with electricity. I wore modern clothes. You could look at me and think I'm just, I mean, any other person, nothing special or unique or different or anything that remotely resembles the Amish tradition. And yet today you can still find communities of Mennonites that don't drive cars and the women all wear simple dresses. In my area, there's something that you can find called black bumper Mennonites. <laughs> have oh, you ever heard that term before? I have not. I have not. <laughs> there is a church that I pass on a regular basis on a Sunday morning. When I go back, when I go past, I can tell <laughs> it's a black bumper Mennonite church because every single car in the parking lot is black. Uh huh. Because that's <laughs> because that's yeah, simple. Because why? <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's austere, well, I suppose, to have a black vehicle. I Okay, so the term black bumper comes from this concept and this idea of trying to be a believer of Christ in this wild, crazy world that we live in without giving into the big temptations of the wild and crazy world, without living the... Uh, potentially sinful, flashy lifestyle. So some of that simple living all ties into that concept. And Mennonites traditionally try to separate themselves from that flashiness and those advancements of the modern world. And so one thing that they would do is back when chrome bumpers were this big thing on their cars, they would paint them black. They would get a black car 
because that's not flashy like red or something. And they would paint the chrome black anywhere that it was on the car to kind of reject that flashiness of the modern world. Yeah, it's like a physical reaction against and kind of pushback against flashiness in any form. Right. Okay. And that's that's the main motivation, as I understand it, of Amish and extreme conservative Mennonites, even today, is this idea of, yes, we are part of this world, but there's a difference here. Mm. God calls us to something more simple. We don't want to get caught up in the temptations of, you know, life and... <laughs> As somebody who doesn't practice that level of conservatism, it's hard for me to fully relate. Um, But, you know, one of the benefits to several congregations being mainstream in their Mennonite practices is evangelism. Hmm. You know, it's, it's really difficult for somebody to go from living in a home with internet and electricity and wearing blue jeans as a woman to then deciding, well, I think I want to actually give this up. And instead I'm going to put on a head covering and a dress. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to assimilate to that. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the benefits to there being such a wide range of, conservatism within the Mennonite church is that we have been able to focus more outward. Right. And the Amish congregation is very well known for focusing more inward, taking very, very good care of their own. That's right. And so typically you would be born into the Amish tradition. um, And at times, of course, too, into the Mennonite tradition, But it's very possible for somebody, just, you know, any Joe Schmo walking down the street to find themselves feeling at home and comfortable in more of a mainstream Mennonite church. Right, right. Whereas somebody, you know, just Joe regular walking down the street would maybe not be either not welcome or maybe not feel comfortable walking into an Amish congregation. That's correct. Yes. Okay, this is very fascinating and very uh, educational because I I truly did not know that the Amish had split off from the Mennonite church, you know, like like we're talking about sometime long ago, <laughs> and that that's why there's those close similarities there. So it's very interesting. What other misconceptions or mistaken ideas have you come across about Mennonites? Well, I would say that perhaps the most controversial thing about Mennonites, and and really, truly, when I think about my Mennonite faith and, you know, what I feel comfortable talking about and what I don't feel comfortable talking about, the biggest thing I really avoid is addressing our pacifist beliefs. Okay. Because there is a lot of heated feelings (laughs) about the pacifist beliefs. And, you know, I'm willing to spill that here now talking to all of you, but that's something that even in my own personal life, I really don't talk about that much. I have received a lot of pushback when it comes to me expressing the fact that I'm a pacifist. 
So the concept of being a pacifist comes from scripture and it's the idea that Jesus came and started teaching some different ways than what we had heard in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's a lot of different examples that Jesus gave of practicing nonviolence against humans. And perhaps the most commonly referred to scripture in terms of this comes from Matthew 5, verses 38 and 39. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And we can put more scripture references in the show notes, but that is that is the main motivation, is that we feel passionately that Christ has called us to a different standard. However, <laughs> there's a lot of really big feelings about that. And it's really hard to talk about in a country where we have such respect and high value on our military. And we say, well, but where would we be without our military? How would we have our freedoms that we have? It's nice and easy for you to say, but what about, you know, what's happening with ISIS and all these other, you know, I don't have the answers. Like it's really it's really hard. Sure. And I have I have great respect for those who choose to serve. And I am so thankful for the freedoms that I have because of those who have served and fought for our country. Do I wish that we lived in a country and just in a world in general that didn't need a military, that didn't need or feel the desire to act out our conflicts and resolve conflicts through violence. Of course. I mean, lots of people probably do feel that. Um, I would say that Mennonites though, just take it a step further where they tend to refrain from enrolling in the military. Um, I would say, you know, my father has never owned a gun. I, my husband and I choose not to own a gun. I have several friends who, own a handgun and have it in their homes for personal protection. That's something I don't feel comfortable with. Right. Yeah. That's fine for them, but it's just, it's a step that I feel like I can't take, let alone the fact that I would be like a mess. <laughs> if, if there's an intruder in my house and it's fight or flight, <laughs> Megan, it is flight all the way <laughs> with me. There would be no fighting <laughs> whatsoever. I'm hiding under the bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I totally relate to that. I definitely do. That's interesting. And I can see how it would definitely be a source of contention with people outside of the Mennonite denomination. Is there ever rumblings within Mennonite, within the denomination, people who are maybe less pacifist, more, uh, let's just say pro-military um, or pro-military action? Or is it just kind of an understood thing within a denomination that to be part of that community is to practice the belief of pacifism? I would say it's probably the latter, that it's more of an understanding. However, something that I have observed especially my own church that I attend now, which, like I said, used to be part of the Mennonite tradition, but has since stepped away, that it has become less of what you would call a salvation issue. So when my husband and I were looking at joining our current church, which is considered non-denominational, but like I said, has those Anabaptist beliefs, um, 
I, I asked about that in our membership meeting with the pastor. I said, well, what is your position on war and military and pacifism? Because that is something that was so ingrained in me and I f- do feel passionately about. I wanted to know that before becoming a member of this new church. And the way that he chose to explain it to me was by saying that that's not something that they would consider a salvation issue. So nobody's going to, in his in his view, in the church's view, nobody's going to lose their salvation over owning a handgun. However, if somewhere, someone were to come to the elders of the church and seek guidance and say, you know, I'm considering joining the military, what what advice would you have for me? He says, we would choose to steer them away from that decision, but that's not something that you're ever going to hear us preach from the pulpit because it's not, again, it's not a salvation issue. It's not life or death in terms of, you know, heaven or hell for our church. And I, I have this feeling that a lot of churches maybe are going that way, but I'm not, in a lot of Mennonite congregations these days. So again, it makes me nervous to to say that. But you know, my dad was a conscientious objector back in, back in the day uh, before the Vietnam War. And he happened to just bring this up and telling us the story. My husband was asking all these questions. He like, so how did that work? How did becoming an official conscientious objector even come about? And my dad was explaining that Mennonites and, and other Christians were refusing to carry guns. Mm. They would be drafted, they would go and they would be serving in the military, but they were refusing to carry guns and it became a problem. I mean, right. maybe, I mean that's a little bit of like a, a hazard. Yes. <laughs> if you just have people just walking around without, you know, actively pursuing the mission. And so I believe then the government came up with this system of being able to register as a conscientious objector, basically stating that for religious reasons, I am choosing to abstain from military involvement. Now, that was a lot harder for people, the generation before my dad, you know, because they were the first ones to kind of initiate that and start that. But then for my dad and where he grew up in a very Mennonite area, he said it was just as easy as filling out some paperwork. Like it really was not complicated. It wasn't difficult. He didn't feel like he had to jump through any hoops. It's just what people did. And it was very smooth for him. Now, however, at the start of the Vietnam War, when people started really protesting the war more vastly than just the Mennonite church because of their pacifist beliefs, it got more difficult to actually be able to take those steps to register as an official conscientious objector. But my dad, as a conscientious objector, had to provide a year of voluntary service here within the United States as an alternative. So he worked at a hospital, and that's actually where he met my mom. She Uh was there um, as a nurse. She had just graduated from nursing school or was still in school at that time. And he was there just volunteering, and that's how they met. Well, that is an interesting story. That's really kind of romantic. (laughs) Well, they met in an elevator, and my dad always says, and we've had our ups and downs ever since. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a dad thing to say. Isn't it, though? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Well, this has been so fascinating. I did not even know 
really how deeply that that pacifism uh, belief ran through the Mennonite church. And, and yeah, I hadn't even thought about how it would have played out for generations past, particularly when we did have the draft in this country. So super, super interesting. I would love to hear a little bit, Rebecca, from you about um, you said that you're currently in a non-denominational church that has sort of Mennonite roots or Anabaptist roots to it. But um, having grown up in this denomination and, again, just kind of really being entrenched in that in the culture of that denomination for so long, um, what is it that you still, as an adult, because, you know, as, as we move into adulthood, sometimes people really cling to the, to the ways that they were brought up and the beliefs that they had. Other people use that time to diverge and explore and sometimes leave behind the things they grew up with. As somebody who still has these um, really dearly held beliefs that that you had kind of talked about being really um, being cemented into your growing up years and, and shaping how you um, experience your spiritual faith, what is it that kind of keeps you attached to the Mennonite way of practicing Christianity? Well, I guess part of me feels like it's almost a cultural thing as well as just a denomination thing that so much of what it means to be Mennonite is kind of tied into just the way that people choose to live out their lives. I think that all goes back to this idea and this concept, the original concept of choosing to live simply and that I can see that in so many different areas, you know, but I, I really like the idea of being a good steward of taking care of the resources that God has given us, the food, money, the earth. And it just really, truly for me, fits the way that I see the world is kind of a, which came first, the chicken or the egg type scenario, because was it all my Mennonite upbringing or was it my own personal personality and desire to be so frugal and so crunchy. Right. But for me, it does. It really fits well with that. So things that I do like, oh, goodness, simple things like hanging my clothes on the clothesline instead of using the dryer and using the electricity and canning my own some of my own salsa and making jam from scratch and even some of the old recipes of like tater tot casserole. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just feel like some of those things are just um, throwbacks to maybe a simpler time, a simpler way to do things and a way to honor the resources that we've been given here on earth. Well, that is so interesting because at Simply Rebecca, your blog, you have for years been blogging, writing about, encouraging people in these practices. And I would not have guessed or put together that a lot of your inspiration from that comes from your personal faith and your the beliefs that you grew up with. So it's really beautiful to see how that has, you know, it was something that was rooted in you in childhood. And it's something that you have continued through the years and now are encouraging other people in those ways, even if it's, you know, for them, maybe not attached to a belief system, they can still glean the wisdom that you share um, at Simply Rebecca about frugal things, frugal hacks, and um, yeah, all the all the amazing like recipes and uh, crunchy stuff that you have on the blog too. So that's so interesting. I really I've known you for quite a while, but I feel like I have found out uh, a lot of things that I did not know about you today in this conversation. 
Well, it is fun. And it is, it's a little bit funny too, because I certainly am the crunchiest and the most environmentally focused out of all of my family. So it's not necessarily this, you know, stamp you can put on every Mennonite's forehead that, oh, yes, they shall recycle and they shall can (laughs) and they shall use coupons, which I don't anymore. Um, You know, it's not that there's not a one size fits all. I really do feel like that concept of being a good steward somehow just really has meshed well with a lot of my desires and beliefs. And so let me ask you this, if anybody is intrigued by our conversation, and they want to find out a little bit more about the Mennonite denomination, where could they go to find out a little bit more information? Well, Mennonite Church USA has a website that would be a great place for people to start. So you can go to MennoniteUSA.org. And then if you want to kind of experience more of the simple, (laughs) more gradual ways of simple living, perhaps I would suggest looking at the More With Less cookbook, which is my favorite go-to cookbook. And if you email me, Rebecca at simplyrebecca.com and tell me that you have the cookbook. I will certainly send you a list of my favorite recipes. I love to do that so that you can check them out. But that cookbook was made with this idea and concept of trying to be a good steward, again, of the earth and the food that we eat and recognizing that if you're eating filet mignon five days a week, you know, that's causing a sacrifice for somebody somewhere in the world, (laughs) you know. So instead, it focuses on affordable foods, um, foods that are easily obtainable, foods that have different worldly and ethnic spins on it because Mennonites also tend to have a pretty wide global view on life. So they, you know, one of my favorites from the cookbook is called Pakistani Kima, and it's this ground hamburger curry with potatoes and peas, and you eat it over rice. And, you know, it just, it's a fun way to maybe introduce a little bit of Mennonite into your home. And that's called the More With Less Cookbook. That is so great. Well, Rebecca, thank you for sitting down and talking about this. You know, for a lot of people, their personal faith, their, their, their approaches to religion and spirituality, it's really personal. So the fact that you are sitting down and sharing this with all of our amazing uh, people that are patrons of Sorta Awesome, it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to the awesome community as well. So thanks for taking the time to do this. And again, to those of you who are listening, we hope that you're enjoying this taboo series that we are creating as some exclusive content for our Sorta Awesome patrons. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time.